I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me Give the Lord a clap offering of praise. All right, let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. God, truly, it's you who has made us glad, Lord, uh, because of your son Jesus and because of what he has done. Um, Lord, you are the life giver. God, you are the lover, the healer. And Father, we just worship you this morning. And God, thank you for the awesome privilege we have of, of um, being in your presence and singing songs of praise to you, God. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. And Father, I just pray that you would be glorified in our midst. Lord, thank you for everyone that's here, Lord. I pray that we, that our spirits would be renewed and refreshed. God, that you would revive us again and show us uh, your greatness, Lord. Thank you for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this
Amen. Yes, Lord, you are too marvelous for words, Lord, and your greatness is far beyond, far beyond all our comprehension. And Lord, all praise is due to you, because Lord, you are um, the creator, the maker of us all, Lord. We owe our lives to you, because you've given your life for us, Lord Jesus. We just praise you this morning. Seated, and um, after the song, if anyone has anything to share, just feel free to feel free to speak up. week on Christ within me and me being within Christ. 
And as I, as I looked into it and as I studied it, it was actually going to be my, um, the Bible study with the youth this week. And as I was studying it, the more I studied it, the more I realized how little I knew or understood of the presence of God within me. And how, and I don't want to give away a children's lesson here that I thought would be a good one for the children sometime, but um, if you take yourself and you understand that you are something and God was within you, but that you are also within Christ, all of a sudden you are encompassed by Christ. Now if you take what the Bible says, it says the Father is within His Son and the Son is within His Father. Now Christ, who is in you and you are in, is now within the Father and the Father is within Him. And if you can understand that or even try to get the understanding of how that looks or how that is, what power does the devil have over us in any way? What power does he have over my life? What way does he have to me? If I am willing to understand and trust in him, there is no power he can come against me with. I am, I am so surrounded and so encompassed by the presence of God, by the omnipresence of God, that there is nothing there. And as, I, as I'm meditating on this and understanding this, I, I'm just overwhelmed by who God is and how much He wants to dwell within something so imperfect as me. But I'm only good enough because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of Christ and His sacrifice, the Son of God who is willing to die for my sins, and thus, the presence of God can live within me because of that. And as I'm just as I'm meditating on this, I am I get excited because not because of my own self, but because of the power of God that is willing to be there with me. Amen. That's so true, Carrie. Thanks for sharing that. I'd like to sing a song that um, talks about that. I am who you say I am. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free. You 
the Spirit, one church empowered by Him. Communion of God's people, forgiveness of our sins. Our bodies resurrected to everlasting life. To worship, love, and wonder before the throne of Christ. We believe in one true God, Father, Spirit, Son, one church. with that and at this time um, I think Heidi prepared some slides. Eric's birthday is today. Um, so that's super special. So let's all sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to all of you. Happy birthday to you. I guess now we'll do children's songs, so all the children want to come up. Children, come up. Good morning. Hi, young guy. I mean, you look so stable, I'm sure you could probably do wrapped up, tied up, right? Nope. He could probably do the, uh, he could probably do the, uh, well, which one is it? No, I can't even think of it. Cast your burdens, that's probably, he could hit the ground faster than any of you. And I know some of you guys do a nosedive. I watched one of my boys slide into home plate yesterday, and I thought, man, I, know, well, I have no idea where he learned to slide like that. But as I think about cast your burdens and how you guys hit the deck, I was like, yeah, that's probably where he figured it out. All right. You guys got a song you want to sing? Which one? Huh? Which one? Cast your burdens. Well, you got a lot of energy to start off with. Jump and go down. Okay, well, you'll be a great baseball player someday. All right? All right. Cast your burdens onto Jesus. For he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus. For he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus. Higher, 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 lower, lower. Lower, lower, 
burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Isn't that your cousins? They didn't, hit, they didn't do it because you weren't doing it. They watched their older cousin that they look up to, and he was standing there. And so they did nothing. You didn't get your stubbornness at all from your dad, did you? In the hospital? Oh, they're having a baby? Well, they don't look like they're too worried about it. Okay. All right. What do you got? Another song? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the That's not to share. This is one place where caring is not sh- or sharing is not caring, you know. <laughs> All right, you guys got another one? Hmm, another one? No, we can do that. I haven't done this for a while. I haven't, I haven't actually sang with you guys for a while, have I? Did I sing with you guys lately? I haven't sang with you guys for a while, have I? So you get to do all the old favorites because I haven't done this for a while. What key is D? Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. 
side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side, inside, outside, side to side, inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright. Downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right in God. I'm inside, captain, living up in Jesus. I'm upright, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright, downright, living right in God. Do you think, do you think it would be fun to have some big person up here doing it with you? That was way too slow. I agree, but if we'd have a big person up here to watch, it'd be a lot fun to do it faster. Who's the biggest guy in the room? That's what I thought Brian was, too. <laughs> you think Brian should come up and try it? You think, he can, you think he can move like that? You got dancing skills? None. You can't, that's the two things you can't do together. That's, that's, that's really bad, like... I have problems with doing things together, but I can even do that one. So that one's, I just like to pick on you anyway. You, you, just do Michael. Michael knows how to do it, though. Let's see if you guys can do this. How fast can you do it? I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Inside, outside, side to side, upright, down, right, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, down, right, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Inside, outside, side to side, upright, down, right, living right in God. That would have been so much more fun with Brian up here, though. All right, one more. Hmm. Leaning on the Lord's side? All right. I'll try to get through that. My voice is about gone. Who or just... So you want them to answer? Do you want them to stand up and do it with you? Okay, you're going to have to ask them. Lexi, you're going to ask them nicely. Alexa, would you please ask them nicely? Yeah. Benny, would you ask them nicely to stand up? <laughs> hey, Jaden. Jaden, would you ask them nicely to stand up? Does anybody want to ask them? Do you? I got a bunch of... He doesn't even know how to speak that much. Hmm. 
Okay, well, if you guys aren't going to ask them, they're going to sit there and you're going to do it all by yourselves. You could ask them all together. One, two, three. Okay, all right, your guys are in this by yourself. Okay, what do you guys want to do? Ask the question or you want them to answer? Ask the question. Okay. Okay, ready? A. Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. What's the other one? Oh, praying? Whose side are you praying on? Tell me whose side are you praying on? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you singing on? Tell me whose side are you singing on? I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing, I'm singing on the Lord's side. <sighs> hey, nope, you guys didn't ask them to stand up, can't do it. You're going to ask them to stand up, then I'll do that verse. <laughs> Please. That wasn't very respectful. Well, see, you got a few. You have to say, would you please stand up, please? There, that was, that was respectful enough to get something. Much better. All right. Tell me whose side are you jumping on? Tell me whose side are you jumping on? I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump, I'm jumping on the Lord's side. Now you want to say thank you? <laughs> All right, Heidi, I think, has the lesson. I can take a seat right here front. There you go. How are you guys this morning? Good? Yeah? All right. Well, this morning, we are going to learn um, about one of the most exciting stories in the Bible, and that is when Joshua fought the battle at Jericho. And then, so we're going to read the story, and then we're going to have a few questions, so make sure you're paying attention. All right. City captured without a battle. After the two spies had come back from Jericho to the camp of Israel, Joshua commanded the people to take down their tents and roll them up. He said, bring your flocks and cattle and be ready to march. When Joshua gave the order, first the priests, then the rest of the people marched toward the river of Jordan. The river was extra high and swift during this time of the year. Joshua said to the priests, now step into the water. 
Then a wonderful thing happened. As soon as the feet of the priest touched the water, the river stopped flowing. Upstream, the water piled up, and downstream, it flowed away, leaving a great dry place for the people to walk through. Now, where did we hear about something like that happening before? Where, uh, what is another story in the Bible where that happens, where God does that? Go ahead. Yes, that's right. God's done this before. At last, the children of Israel were safe in the land that God had promised to them more than 500 years before. Then the Lord told Joshua how to take the city of Jericho. They could already see the thick high walls around it. The Israelite army marched around the walls of Jericho once every day for six days. On the seventh day, they got up very early in the morning. This day, they kept on marching until they had walked around the city seven times. As they passed one window, they saw a scarlet rope. They knew this was the house of Rahab, who had saved the lives of the two spies. When the seventh march ended, they all stood still. There was silence for a moment until the priests blew their trumpets. Joshua's voice rang out, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the Israelites gave a thunderous shout, they saw the walls trembling, crumbling, and falling. In this way, God gave them the city of Jericho. Rahab with her family was saved and blessed because she had faith in God of Israel. Okay. How did the Israelites get across the River Jordan? No, they didn't get across with the ark. We talked about it a little bit. God, but what did God do? Go ahead. He helped them? How did he help them? There you go. He parted the river. Good job. Who told Joshua what to do? Yes. How did the Israelites know where Rahab had lived? By a rope. Do you remember what color the rope was? Red. Good job. Okay, we're going to learn a song this morning. Jason's going to help us. And um, maybe some of you know it. It's called Joshua Fought the Battle of Jericho. How many of you know it? Do any of you know it? You know it, Lexi? Yeah? Okay. Let me pull up the lyrics here. All right, so there's some motions with it. So why don't you all take it? stand up? Stand up right here in front. Come down. Yep, step down. There you go. Okay. All right, so we're going to try it, okay? All right, so on the chorus, we're mostly marching, and then when the walls come tumbling down, we're going to go all the way down, and then I'll show you the motions on the verses, okay? All right, let's give it a try. Battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. You may talk about the men of Gideon, you may talk about the men of Saul, but there's none like good old Joshua and the battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. Right up to the walls of Jericho, they marched with spear in hand. Go blow them ram horns, Joshua cried, for the battle is in my hand. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. Then the lamb ram she born began to blow, and the trumpets began to sound. 
Joshua told the children to shout that morn, and the walls came a-tumbling down. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. And the walls came a-tumbling down. And the walls came a-tumbling down. <laughs> Good job, you guys. You can go back to your parents. <laughs> Good morning to each of you. Excuse <clears throat> me, a little loud. Uh, I want to give a hearty welcome to all the visitors. Uh, if you're here for the first time, glad to have you here with us today. And I hope you feel inspired and we're here to uh, honor and glorify God. And um, <clears throat> I guess by the way of announcements, um, August the 28th uh, at 6 p.m., we're planning to do kind of a uh, parking lot concert like we've done in the past here a year or two ago during the um, COVID time. Uh, but yeah, feel free to uh, share the word with friends, uh, whoever, uh, more than what we'd love to have you here. So again, that is August the 26th, I'm sorry, August 28th at 6 p.m. And there's food and water drinks uh, that are going to be here for you, uh, please bring your lawn chairs, blankets, whatever, maybe some bug spray. Uh, be great. Yes. Okay, awesome. The other thing is, it looks like it's still open to. Those who like to participate in our youth retreat, our youth conference that's coming up September 1 through the 4th. Um, you don't have to be just the local youth. If you know even someone from out of the area or anything that would love to uh, participate in this, uh, just feel free to sh share the word. And uh, if you need maybe more detail, um, I think maybe Brother Kerry or Anthony, which is not here today, I uh, would have more info for you as well. <clears throat> there is a lunch provided for us afterwards, uh, so please feel free to stay around for that. We'd love to have you here and uh, eat together and uh, have the fellowship and, and uh, just having a great time. Um, I think John aren't here today, John and Sarah, so just... Please pray for them as they travel. Uh, I think Anthony is maybe traveling back today maybe or so. And so I think there's maybe a couple others that aren't here. So, but anyway, uh, why don't we just bow our head for a word of prayer. And uh, as Brother Phil brings us the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, I just thank you for the praise team this morning, the, uh, the inspiration that has been brought to us. And the Lord, that you are an almighty and awesome God. Lord, I just want to lift up my brother Phil to you as he shares your word and opens your word. Lord, that we can have open ears and hearts and minds to receive. That Lord, that we could be that beacon and that light for you in our everyday walk. It doesn't matter if it's in Denver, if it's Cheyenne or Greeley, wherever. That Lord, you give us the boldness to speak and the words to speak in that very moment as you give us the opportunities. 
I just lift up my brother Phil. Lord, just anoint him with your spirit. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, one more announcement that we failed to put uh, in the bulletin is next Saturday, the church in Windsor, Windsor Christian Fellowship, which we fellowship closely with, they are having a, uh, a gospel outreach. They're calling it at the Windsor Lake. And uh, they begin, um, let's see it. There's one at 10 a.m. and then one at 6 p.m. So 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. And they're inviting everyone in the community to come. I think I had shared it with the WhatsApp group of the church here. But if you would like to have a flyer sent to you, uh, let Katie or I know and we'll send it to you. That's next Saturday, August 13th. This morning, you can turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 85. The Lord has been doing um, a work in my heart, both in speaking to me, but more than that, doing a work in me. There's a difference, you know. Do you know that difference? When the Lord speaks to you, but then his words are not an idle word. You know what an idle word is? Now that word we use in other terms in our culture today. Have you ever seen a vehicle running but not going anywhere? The engine is running, but the wheels are not turning. Anyone ever seen that? That's what we call the engine is idling. The engine is not causing any, the vehicle to move anywhere. And Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32 said these words. These words that I speak to you are not an idle word. It's actually verse 47. Um, I'll begin in verse 44 of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Then Moses came and spoke all the words of this song. And you ought to read this song. It's powerful. All the words of this song in the hearing of the people. He with Joshua, the son of Nun. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel... He said to them, take to your heart. Remember what I shared last Sunday? There's a difference between taking the words into your mind, but they never engage your heart. That's what's called an idle word. Causes you to think, but not to act. You simply sit there thinking, but it doesn't take you anywhere. You stay the same person in the same place spiritually as what you've always been, the place you've been born at, natural. Instead of being transcended, changed from glory to glory into the image of Christ Jesus. That's not an idle word. That's a word that is a word of action. Take to your heart all the words which I am warning you today. 
which you shall command your sons to observe carefully. That's the non-idle word. Oh, how much devastation and conquering of the hearts and minds of children in our generation is done because fathers do not obey this word. It's an idle word. When the Lord speaks to the father or to the mother a word, a living word, and they ponder it in their hearts and their minds, but they do not carefully teach it to their children, it remains an idle word, produces no action in the hearts of the children. And that's where Israel failed. The whole generation that was here listening to Moses say this word was faithful to the word all the days of Joshua. But they did not teach their children. And when Joshua and they died, this word died with them. Will God's word die with you, Father? Will God's convicting word of truth that produced all kinds of obedience in your life, Father, Mother, die with you? For it is not an idle word, verse 47, for you. Indeed, it is your life. It is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word, you shall prolong your days in the land. That word prolong means it goes beyond you. It goes beyond your generation. It lives, outlives you. It goes into the hearts and minds of your children. And it stays faithfully on the earth as a witness of God's truth. It will prolong you unless it is an idle word. Then it will die with you. It is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. idle word. Psalm 85. This is not an idle word to me, brothers and sisters. And I don't know yet how it will all live itself out, but this one thing I know, it will outlive me. I believe that with my whole heart. And if I cease to believe that I will shut up and sit down. I will quit preaching this word. But it will not be an idle word by His grace. And His grace is sufficient even in my weakness. Verse 6 of Psalm 85. Wilt thou not thyself revive us again? 
that thy people may rejoice in thee. Show us thy loving kindness, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. He's not only showing us, he's granting, giving to us salvation. We are being saved. I will hear what God the Lord will say. For he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land, in our life. His glory. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory may dwell in our land, in my life, in our home, in our church, in our community. Loving kindness and truth, grace and truth have met together. Where? When Christ's word becomes flesh and dwells. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the glory he's talking about. That men seen in Jesus and now Christ in you, as Carrie said, becomes the same glory. They see Jesus dwelling in your heart. The word of Christ, not an idle word that causes you to think, but a word that becomes your flesh and blood. That's where the glory is seen. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth springs out from the earth. That word springs is like an artesian well. Have you ever seen one? Water is just bursting out of the earth. You don't have to pump it. It just naturally springs out. John chapter 7 verse 38. Verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, Same. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Truth springs out from your inner man. 
and goes forth with loving kindness. Truth spoken in love. Ephesians chapter 5. And righteousness looks down from heaven. That's when the gaze of the soul looking up meet the eyes of his creator looking within and their life or heaven begins on earth. A.W. Tozer said. Righteousness looks down from heaven. Indeed, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. That is where the fruit of the Holy Spirit is produced, flowing out like a tree that is planted by the rivers of living water, Psalm 1, bringing forth its fruit in its season right when it's needed. The fruit of love comes out in a moment of tension. The fruit of joy bursts forth from your inner man in a moment of sorrow and weakness. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. The fruit of peace is sown in righteousness of those who make peace. James chapter 3. The fruit of long-suffering comes forth when someone is failing you again and again and again 490 times a day every minute and a half they have to turn around and tell you I'm sorry and what will you do? forgive them that's what Jesus said when Peter said Lord shall I be really spiritual and forgive my brother seven times if he sins against me seven times in a day? What did, Peter, what did Jesus say? 490 times, I say to you, Peter. Just a little later, Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? You do the math. Comes out to about every minute and a half in a 12-hour period. Long-suffering comes forth springing forth like a river when it's needed, bringing forth its fruit in your life. I tell you, your wife, your husband, your child, your co-worker, your brother, sister in the church, your neighbor, when they see you suffering long for them, will know this one thing. It comes from a father above. They may never tell you, but in their hearts they will glorify God for you because they are experiencing your suffering long for them. And they know it's love, real love. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Self-control, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, will yield itself in your life, springing forth from your inner man, not a plastic smile with angry eyes, 
our land will yield its produce. Righteousness will go before him and he will make his footsteps into a way. I love those words. This becomes a way to live when you follow your God's footsteps this way. It becomes a way others can follow you. He will make his footsteps into a way. Wilt thou not thyself revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? This is the word and the work the Lord is doing in my life. I want to share it with you this morning to encourage you to bring forth God's word to your heart and to your life because this is the word of the Holy Spirit to our generation and in our day, no doubt. How many of you have heard of Andrew Murray? A few of you? He lived back in the 1800s in South Africa. He came from a Christian home. His father was a pastor in the Dutch Reformed Church. And as a young man, he gave himself to the work of the Lord and the church assigned him to go work among what they called the Afrikaans. They were the Dutch people, many people from Holland who over the years had settled into South Africa. You can read the history. And these people mostly were hard-working farmers out in the fields of South Africa. Life wasn't easy in the 1800s, mid-1800s in South Africa. Read the history. And he was sent there to preach the gospel to these people, to start a church among these farmers. What he found was these farmers were hard workers, but they didn't care for God. They believed you got through life by sheer grit and determination and hard work. And so, as they grew up in that culture, something else got hard too. Not only the blisters in their hands, but their hearts became hard towards God. Have you found yourself there? That when life becomes hard, and you have to, as one brother once told me, white knuckle it. That it also brings a callousness in your heart towards God. And this is a this is one of the signs of callousness towards God that you can examine in your own heart to see how callous are you? Or are you, as Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, be kind one to another, tender hearted. First towards God. As God told Israel, he found Israel this way, as Ezekiel said to them in Ezekiel chapter 36, the Lord cried over Israel. He said, you have stony hearts, hearts that are full of rocks. And it made your hearts hard. He said, I will take out the stony heart within you and give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, tenderness towards me. A heart that has been made tender is a heart whose conscience with God is sensitive. 
The Spirit can speak to you in a whisper at night. And it wakes you up. Causes you to jump out of bed. Open the Bible. And find that word. And weep before God. Saying, Lord, change me. Change me. I repent. Andrew Murray, in his toils with these people, the Lord in his mercy and grace, because also of his availability and faithfulness to God, brought revival to the churches and to these Afrikaans like South Africa hadn't seen in hundreds of years. The most unexpected kind of revival. I'm reading. This is put, he wrote many books, by the way, Andrew Murray did, on what God has done in his life and through the churches. But this is an old lectures of, of revivals and religion that someone gave to me. I don't even know where I picked it up. But it's simply Andrew Murray putting it down even before he wrote a book. Just kind of pouring out his heart, writing it out. And this is what he said. I am to show what a revival is. It is the renewal of the first love of Christians. What happened there was amazing. No one wanted to come and pray or come to church. Only a few old women. The men were too busy and weren't interested. But when God's Spirit came and took out their stony heart and put within a heart of tenderness towards God, something happened. And all of a sudden, the prayer meetings didn't just have a few old women in them. Men and women everywhere in the cities, in the bars, came out of the bars weeping and crying for mercy. God's Spirit moved over that community, not only in the church, in the streets, in the workplaces, in the homes. You should read about it. It might produce the same thing it did in them, in you. It is the renewal of the first love of Christians resulting in the awakening conversion of sinners to God. In the popular sense, a revival of religion in a community is the arousing, quickening, and reclaiming of the more or less backslidden church and the more or less general awakening of all classes, ensuring attention to the claims of God. Wilt thou not thyself revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? It is God's grace coming down on men and women's lives and grabbing a hold, or as one brother said, arresting their attention. Have you ever been arrested? I've never been arrested. But I have been pulled over by a cop. You're going down the road, and all of a sudden there are some flashing lights behind you. Someone has gotten your attention, right? And now you must do something about it. You can either gun it and try to get out of there and lose the cop, 
But my guess is you're in for a world of trouble if you try that. I've never tried it, and I never want to. Because I think that would definitely lead to my arrest. That's what it means. You're just going merrily along life. And you might not even realize you're speeding, disobeying the law. And God shows up and gets your attention in the middle of your busy life with His Word. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm beginning to experience in a new way in my own life. Brother Derek, would you show this video clip for Amy? It's a short video clip that I showed to the ministry team and someone from Australia, a brother from Australia, shared with us. I think it was. I'd just like to share it with you this morning because it spoke strongly to me. It's by Brother Paul Washer. That thy people may rejoice in thee. I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones, but let them not turn back to folly. What the Lord has been sharing with me, and it was interesting, God has been putting this on my heart, and then this brother sent me this video clip of Yeah, I'm repeating myself, echoes. You can see in Matthew chapter 3. Mm, you guys are following me on here? <laughs> okay. Matthew chapter 3. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. His footsteps become a way of life, a way I live. Make his paths straight. John the Baptist began his ministry this way. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus begins to preach. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately repented. You could rightly put that word right there. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. That's what repentance means. It means you stop what you're doing and you turn and follow Jesus. That's what repentance is. It's, I agree with Brother Paul Washer. It's not just saying a prayer. It is coming to God in prayer with the heart to do his will. 
I'll do whatever you tell me to do now and immediately. You see it in the Word and you do it. And it changes your life radically. It changes your relationship with God radically. It changes your quiet time radically with God. Instead of a must-do to survive, it's a enjoying the fellowship with Jesus. One of the things, the first thing I agree with Andrew Murray is when God brings revival in my life, the first thing He does is what He did to the church at Ephesus. They were like the perfect church in Revelation chapter 2. You can read it. They dealt well. Let's read it. Revelation chapter 2. They were an amazing church. I would like to have been a part of this church. And I think you would have too. Except for one thing. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Says this. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance. They were hardworking people. They persevered and that you cannot endure evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. They were diligent, preserving truth. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. And have not grown weary. But. Is there a but in your life. That the Holy Spirit. Is speaking to you about. I compliment you. I bless you. Son. Daughter. But. This. But. I have this against you. That you have left. Your first love. Remember therefore. From where you have fallen. And repent. And do the deeds you did at first. Wait. I thought they were perfect in their deeds. It was the way they were doing them. It was the motive for doing them. And when you change your motive. It will change the way you do. Your acts. Of obedience. It will have your heart in it. Matthew 15, Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, You worship me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. Couples, you can love one another with all the affection your mouth can give to each other or human affection you've got, but if your heart isn't in it, you're divorced. Spiritually, Christ is not the center of your relationship. Unless your heart of love comes from Him and you love each other the way He commanded us to. Love as you have been loved as I love you. Husbands, so love your wives. Ephesians chapter 5. But I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you've fallen. And repent and do the deeds you did at first. 
or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. What he was telling them is, I'll take away my presence from you. I simply won't live here anymore. That's one of the most awful words of warning Jesus could give to any of his children. To a church. Unless you repent, I simply won't live here anymore. You can keep coming together. You can keep looking at my word and singing songs to me. But I won't hear your prayers. I won't be there. It'll be a dead work. And this will be the case in Matthew 24 and 25 that Jesus said will happen to many who profess to know Jesus. They're doing many good deeds. They're going to prison and visiting the sick and they're ministering to each other and they're doing all of this stuff for Jesus. But Jesus will look at them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawless ones. Why does he call them lawless? Because they weren't doing it for love's sake. It wasn't a love, act of love for Christ. It was an act of duty. And many Christians live lives of dutiful servants, but they have no love in it. They don't live in the love of God. And they don't share that love with others. In 1 John chapter 4, he tells us, he defines love for us. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. They, they, that's what they had lost. They didn't know God anymore because they lost that first love. Can I give you a really strong personal warning here? Test yourself. See whether you be in the faith. If you get up in the morning and you read your Bible and spend some quiet time alone with God, or if you feel like you're just too spiritual for that, you don't even need to do that anymore. Somehow you're okay without spending time alone with Jesus. Hey, you just talk to Him all the time. Do you feel condemned if you don't do it? Do you feel bad if you're not spending quiet time with Jesus? May I give you this warning? If you do, you have lost your first love or have never entered it at all. You don't understand what awaits you at having quiet time with Jesus and opening up His Word is listening to Him share with you 
all the plans and purposes, the fullness of his heart of love for you. That's what you're missing. You might come to him with all your prayers and all your needs and all your stuff. Or you might be reading the Bible just to make yourself feel good. But unless you hear him, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. That's when revival, Christ's life, follows his words into your heart. And without hearing him speak through his word and you receiving it, that love into your heart, you missed it. And you always miss it. You'll become a dead works Christian. And unfortunately, you'll be one of those. And he'll look at you and say, I never knew you. You did all this for me. There were works aplenty. But we never shared our love together. In this is love. Verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's where my sins are forgiven. Right there. Every morning. His mercies are new. His forgiveness floods my soul. And His grace makes me whole and strong and Ephesians chapter 3 becomes a reality to my life when he speaks his words of a fatherly care and love over me and kisses me on the forehead and says, I love you, son. I have a plan for you today. Will you follow me? And I hear him and I take him in. Oh, the blessed quietness of my heart listening. That's where I made a disciple. In Isaiah chapter 50. Verse 4. For the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. How does that happen? Has He given you that tongue that speaks life to those people around you? That makes disciples of Jesus when you speak? Here's how it happens. The only way it happens. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear. And I was not disobedient. Nor did I turn back. That's what happened to Peter and Andrew that day. Right? That's what happened to them. They repented. When Jesus said, follow me. From their, what seemed normal life. And see, that's, dear brothers and sisters, where we miss it so often. We don't see that I need to repent in any area of my life. I'm doing just 
fine. I'm like the church at Ephesus. I'm religious. And I serve God. And I eschew evil. I do what's good. And then I become like the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. I have need of nothing. But you don't know that you're naked and blind and poor and wretched. The Holy Spirit says, you don't need me anymore. I could leave you and you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't notice that I'm not in the room. Oh, if you and I will enter into this love of Jesus Christ, our relationship with Him changes from a have to for a clear conscience unto a loving get to to experience the glory of His love. That changes everything. I see Him now in everything in my life. I do everything for Him simply because He loves me. And I love Him back. Are you missing it? Then repentance is available to you and I. Repent for the kingdom of God is right here. It's at hand. It's at the door. I don't know how many of you know or read this book, Come Away, My Beloved. It's a wonderful book that Sister Lel shared with me. This lady, written by Frances J. Roberts. She went to be with the Lord, I think, in 2009. She was born in the early 1900s. And she wrote this book out of the Song of Solomon. You read that lately? Or can't you relate? You know how many years that I preached the Word of God and couldn't read the Song of Solomon often because it just it was kind of weird and embarrassing. I didn't hardly know what to make out of that book. In fact, I wondered why it was even in the Bible. If you're missing the first love, that book will be a dead book to you. But if you enter into the love of Christ, that book becomes His song over your life. And you'll read it often. And you'll sing it back to Him. Because that's what it is. One chapter the bridegroom is singing over his bride. The next one the bride answers to her bridegroom. It's a wonderful book. And she wrote this kind of based on that book. She says this. I had our boys read through it. At least some of it, I think. She says, Come away, my beloved, was forged in the crucible of life. In the midst of each day's joys and trials has come the ministering spirit of the Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing words of encouragement, hope, comfort, and conviction. Whether you're just beginning your Christian walk or have grown into a fuller stature in Christ, you will be equally challenged and helped. 
to gain the maximum blessing from this book, read it carefully and prayerfully, a little at a time, searching always for the special treasure of truth for your own need. He who knows you by name and understands your deepest longings will speak into your heart and bring you into fellowship with himself. There's another book I'm reading. I want to encourage you. The Heart of a Warrior. And this one here is directed more to you men, to us men, young men, older men, but especially fathers. I'm being deeply challenged by the author of this book. He says, before you be can become the warrior, you must become the beloved son. He talks about fighting the good fight of faith, warring through our flesh and against the enemy, Satan and the world, and living wholeheartedly, being good soldiers of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2. But he says this, as beloved sons, I hope, one, I hope to one day see the hearts of men so foundationally settled, so well trained, so well equipped, so well engaged, that when evil dares raise its head, Beloved sons, warrior men, will know what to do and will do it well. What does it mean to be a beloved son? We need to be clear on this from the start. Because everything that follows flows from it. A beloved son is one who experiences the unconditional love of his father in a way that deeply impacts him. And leaves him with nothing to hide, nothing to prove, and nothing to fear. Do you live like that, beloved son, daughter? Jesus did. Jesus lived like that with his heavenly father. He had nothing to hide, nothing to prove, and nothing to fear. And his father regularly said these words to him, Well done, my beloved son. Or, This is my beloved son. Hear him. He said to the people, This kind of love leaves a mark. Because of it, a man is completely free. The ancient Scots and Celts believed that a man's spiritual journey demanded both outward and inward wondering. The man was to seek God in a great adventure, often not knowing where God would lead. Pilgrimages were a part and practice of a man's journey to manhood. And enlightening discoveries along the way were greatly benefited those who boldly set forth. Through experience, a man came to know three vital truths. Listen to these three. They're scriptural. One was, the story I live in is much bigger than I am. The story of your life is not really about you. It's God writing His story for His glory. And it will outlive you if it's not an idle word to you. And you obey an act of obedience 
believing him in his word. Let me ask you, was Moses' story, the story of Moses and his obedience to God and his service to Israel, was it only about Moses? Or was it about you and me? It was a story for the ages of all mankind. So it is with every hero of faith that God records about in the Bible. It's not just about them. It's a story about Him for all eternity. And so is yours and mine. The second is, I am in continual need of understanding and training. This is what God's love does for you and me. When you come to God and you behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, 1 John chapter 3, then every man that has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. It becomes this engaging love relationship of receiving and loving others. If any man say he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. 1 John 4. We love God and we pass it on. The second was, I am in continual need of understanding and training. There is always more. That's what the church at Ephesus began to miss. And that's what the church at Laodicea lived in. That sealed their fate. Except for those who repented. Christ was already outside the church. Did you know that? He said to the church at Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if any man will open, I'll come in. He wasn't in anymore. He had already left. And they didn't know it. Because they lost this. Their continual need of receiving His love. You see, we live in a life that drains us. Right? We're constantly out putting out mothers. Isn't it true? You get tired in serving your family. You do. Even though it's love, it will drain you. Fathers, you get tired in going out there and building a life for your home and your family. We get tired. We, life drains us. And when we understand that the only way I'm going to survive as a Christian, Christ follower in this world, is that I'm in need of filling my tank of love, myself, with Him. I tell you, you'll never be condemned again for not having your Bible reading in the morning. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation, none. You'll do it for love's sake. And you will do it as often as you can. You'll do it at great sacrifice because you love Him more than anything else in life. But it won't even be a sacrifice. It'll be the joy of your life. Have you found that? If you haven't, 
You can call yourself a Christian and live like the devil and be okay with it. You can get angry like the devil. You can curse and swear like the devil under your breath or in your thoughts. You can hate people and hold unforgiveness for many years like the devil. You can walk in pride and boastfulness just like the devil. And you'll think you're a Christian because you said a prayer one day. But this love that Christ is wanting to share with you, you don't even know him that way at all. The third is, I am needed. Through experience, a man comes to know these three. The story I live in is much bigger than I am. The second, I am in continual need of understanding and training. There's always more. And the third, I am needed. It engages you in your children's lives husband and wife, in your church life, in your community, you're engaged in sharing the life of Christ with others. Dear brother, sister, dear friend, if you're in need of a revival, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Revival comes to you and I only through one thing, God's living word. Outside of it, you will never experience a revival. He lives and breathes and speaks in his word. And if you and I come for that life, he gives it to him. anyone, everyone, Jesus met the woman at the well and said, if you would know who's talking to you, you would have asked me, and I would give you eternal life. And you'd never thirst again. And she asked, and she received. And her whole village got born again. That's revival. As I was reading this, it says, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. I said, I just thought to myself, how perfect is this for the what brother Phil shared today is Jesus says I am the resurrection and the life so anyway thank you so much brother Phil for sharing that and um, anyway um, there's lunch prepared so why don't we all stand and we'll have the benediction and blessing on the new meal <clears throat> Heavenly Father we thank you for your love Lord you are true life Lord, we just pray that uh, you'd be with each of us as we depart from here. Uh, just pray a blessing over each one. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit uh, can uh, go before us in our lives. And Lord, as we go through it about this week, and Lord, that we can uh, truly testify your love in our life. We thank you for the food that's been prepared for us. We just pray you bless the hands that have prepared it, bless it to our bodies, bless our afternoon, Father, and just pray that in everything that we do, you be honored and glorified. I ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Dismissed.